from Hong Kong, Chicago, and the city of Stoke-on-Trent. This is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 111. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Perry G. Hello, Johnny. Hello. And hello, Perry. Hello. <laughs> um, as you may have heard there, Johnny's not quite as fired up as he as he has been, but we'll find out a little bit more about that uh, as, as, as we go on. So... Um, yeah, we weren't here last week, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that. Um, but we're here now, and uh, let's head straight over to Hong Kong and see what Perry's been up to. Well, uh, just like last time, not a heck of a lot. Um, you know, all around the world, I think everyone is in a, a state of different degrees of strangeness right now. Uh, and, and I hope all of our listeners are safe and healthy. Um, but, you know, here in Hong Kong, we we haven't been under any official kind of lockdown, although schools and, and things have been shut since February and the government just closed bars. Um, but, you know, I over the last couple of months, I, I've been relatively comfortable going out and uh, photographing people in masks and doing street photography and all that. And e- even though the situation here locally is fairly stable, um, you know, our, our government hasn't imposed, they, have, they really haven't done much of worth or any value whatsoever. Uh, but the people here have, everyone's wearing masks. They're quite vigilant. And, but as I've been watching uh, cases around the world go kind of nuts, it's, um, it doesn't feel right to be going out and shooting. Uh, you know, my, what, what few clients I have left for my business, we've all agreed just to put everything on hold for the greater good. Uh, so I've been, sitting at home experimenting with new recipes and not doing a hell of a lot. Um, Photographically, only two things I think of note. Uh, Number one, you know, I knew this situation was going to spiral and and get worse before it gets better. So I've been saving one roll of film that I hadn't developed uh, for just that breaking point of where I get completely crazy out of cabin fever uh, so I developed that roll of film today. Um, still remember how to do it. It's hanging in my bathroom right now, and I will probably scan it tomorrow morning. But other than that, the only other thing I've been doing is um, I paid a couple of visits to uh, my friends over at Little Garden who have been helping me put together just very random builds of whatever lenses I can find around the house that I think will fit on a Pentax 6.7. They have been helping me uh, get the right, you know, adapter rings and helicoids and 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 whatnot to adapt them to Pentax 6.7. So I now have five very very random lenses that will work on a Pentax 6.7. Uh, they look kind of cool. They're all very small, um, but I haven't shot them yet because I don't really have anything to shoot. Uh, it's gray and rainy outside, um, but I mean it should be fun. So just a quick run through of, of these five lenses that I have now adapted but not used. Uh, one of them is a 9cm f4 Lights Elmar, which covers 6x7. Uh, it's just the optical cell. It covers 6x7. And it only focuses to around a kind of 2.5-meter-ish two, two uh, portrait range, which is exactly what I would use it for. Um, and then I have this weird 1918 lens called... Uh, it's actually one that you sent me, Simon. Um, it's called the Aldous Brothers number one lens, which is some kind of brass F6 lens of unknown focal length. <laughs> uh, 
But that one, it, it goes to infinity. So that one actually works really, really well on Pandex 6.7. Um, and then the I was, other, I was just yep. going to say that uh, that lens that uh, came to you that that came to me via uh, uh, Linden of Londinian cameras. If you, I think I actually mentioned on the on the show once uh, that I he got in touch with me. He goes, "Any idea what this is?" And I and I thought, "Well, that looks nice." And, and then he he said, "Well, you can you can have it off me." And uh, gave me and did it at a price I couldn't refuse. And uh, and then I couldn't really work out what to do with it. So it's 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 great that you're actually making some kind of use out of it. Yeah, it, it actually it works the best out of all of them. Um, I mean, this thing will cover four by five, so six by seven is no problem with it. Uh, but it it actually its infinity point is almost perfect uh, with the helicoid that I've got it on. Oh. So I'm actually looking forward to to using this because um, I put it on a Sony and it, it's pointless. Yeah, you know, a lens with an image circle that big is just boring on a Sony. Yeah, uh, but for Pentax X7, it looks it looks sweet. Yeah, so, um, but you've. When when you say like you, I mean you you don't know the exact focal length of it, but have you got a, a guess based upon the yeah yeah yeah? It's, it's around it's it's around a hundred ish, maybe a little longer than a hundred millimeters. Yeah, somewhere so you, between a hundred and one thirty five. I would and, say. And are you judging that on in, on the thirty five millimeter scale? Um, uh, no 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 no. Um, just raw focal length. Yeah 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 yeah. So the equivalent would be around. Uh, I would say it's a little longer than a 50 maybe yeah in yeah. 35 millimeter terms mm -hmm. yeah um but I, but there's there's just no way to know for, know for sure yeah although it, well, so, there is I mean the the way to find out something like that I mean this is the way I I do it and I didn't do it on that particular lens is I will adapt it to my Sony uh, mm -hmm. focus it on a on a given point and then I would look at the the image that it would show me uh, you know just pointing down the garden or something like that and uh, and then I would get a, a zoom lens um, of, that I think will give me approximately that that uh, that image and then this is all done on a tripod and I'll, I'll focus on in, in the same point and I'll try to frame the picture as close as I could actually get it to the to the same field of view yeah. as, uh, as the other lens and then re read off the um, off the focal length of course You've got to be a little bit careful because the the focal length that it says on the on a zoom lens isn't necessarily that accurate. But at least it'll get it'll put you in the ballpark. Okay, no, you're you're totally right. So when I said there's no way to actually find out, what I meant was there's no way to actually find out that I want to do, <laughs> <laughs> or that I can be bothered to do. Um, I, I, I Perry, I've got a slightly easier down and dirty way if you want to try it okay if you if you hold the lens over a sheet of paper uh -huh. um with a light source above it i mean like the sun right yeah. and and put it next to a ruler and just move the lens up and down until the light source is sharp like the sun like you would actually see the you know circle of the sun <laughs> um and then just look at the ruler and see how far the lens is from the paper and it'll give you a rough idea on the focal length. Oh, that, that's okay. what they do at Little Garden. But of, that's yeah. going to be super imprecise, right? Yeah, um, I mean, it, right. It's going to get you in the ballpark. Yeah. I, th I, think, I think the key thing here is I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what focal length is. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, those, those does definitely work. I mean, the, the thing with the light and ruler method is, you know, if it's a telephoto design, that's not quite going to work, right? Yeah. 
Although I, I doubt it is. No, it's not going to be. It'll be a normal land, so it has to be. Yeah. I mean, at Little Garden, that's exactly what they do, though. They, they um, hold the lens and shine a light through it and move it up and down on a piece of paper. But that's more to calculate or, or guess at roughly the sort of size of helicoid that we need to put it on Pentax 67. Right. Right, right. So that works. Yeah, so I mean, one one, one day I'm going to shoot these. Uh, the other three lenses are, um, one is a Zeiss Tessar 75 uh, 3.5 off a dead Super Iconta. Um, the other one is a uh, viewing lens from a Chinese TLR. So those only give me macro, uh, essentially. And then the last one is a Lumiere Fidor Anastigmat. Um, it's a also... 105 or something f i think it's an f 6.8 lens um and it's an often old french folder uh that my cousin got for me from a pawn shop years ago and it's dead and it's the first lens that i ever tried to take apart um and doing that on a leaf shutter was a stupid idea because basically all the springs flew out and the shutter uh got stuck open but that actually makes it perfect for um adaptation because i don't have to figure out how to keep the shutter open so, yeah, that's. I think that originally was for 620 film. Uh, the camera looks like a 6x9 camera, so that, that also covers no problem. Doesn't get me infinity, but it does get me a little bit further out than the uh, 75 millimeters. That's it. That's all I've been doing. Pentax 67 is a surprisingly good platform for um, adapting and messing around with these lenses. So, yeah, I'm actually yeah. looking forward to, to shooting these. That's super cool. Yeah. I think people have have, have used uh, Aero Ectars on the six seven as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see. I mean, that's the thing. If you've got a, a lens with a with a large image circle, um, especially if it's a barrel lens, and the barrel lens is like a, a an older style lens, usually for larger format, but not necessarily for a large format, and uh, and which is effectively like most of the lenses actually when you think about it except it won't have a, a helicoid in there but the the point is it hasn't got a sh- it hasn't got its own shutter like a lot of many older lenses or large format lenses um so adapting to something where you can use the the focal plane shutter which is exactly what we do with with mirrorless um, mm-hmm. when you when you're doing things on a on a larger scale uh, in medium format and on film um then not every camera you, you it will will work even if you can project the the image circle on, onto the film, you know, things like a, a Hasselblad, it uses shutters built into the lens. So therefore, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, unless you've got, there are, there is, a, there are a couple of Hasselblads with a focal plane shutter, but they, they, they're pretty uncommon. Um, so yeah, so it does, it makes a lot of sense. Although I've got to say, putting a, a, an Aero Ektar onto a Pentax 6.7, that is going to be one heck, heck of a heavy beast. You know, yeah. Saying, yeah. But uh, I mean that I've got to say that, that I've I've held a six seven a couple of times and it always shocks me about just how heavy that camera is. It is. It's a beast. Yeah. Absolute beast. Especially with the prism finder installed. Yeah. 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 But you know, it, it for for this kind of adaptation, um I, I think it's common enough that finding the adapter that goes on the back of the helicoid is not that bad. Uh, the shop actually had them in stock when I went to get them. Um, and, and for any of the other medium format cameras I have, I don't think they would have those adapters readily available. So uh, wh- eventually I'll shoot those. I'll post some pictures. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Lights Elmar because um, through the viewfinder, it looks suspiciously good. 
And, it, you know, it's really cool that it fully covers, but I'm expecting it to do some weird stuff in the edges. Uh, so eventually, you know, we'll see well, if that's actually... Let, let's hope so. We want, we want yeah. an element of weird, <laughs> weirdness, don't we, really? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to put a 35-millimeter format lens on a 6 by 7 medium format, it better not look like a 35-millimeter shot because that's going to be a waste of time. All right, so that's Hong Kong. Uh, Simon, what have uh, what have you been up to in these these odd times? Well, these the, the 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 two weeks since we were last here and talking about it, I've pretty much done exactly the same as I had done the last time, um, which has not gone out to take photographs. <laughs> um, I'm still gazing over its, um, at the Contax G2 that's on loan from Gilbert Townsend that hasn't moved since I last mentioned it two weeks ago. Um, and and certainly uh, in in the UK, uh, things have as as predicted. In fact, actually, it got locked down harder almost immediately after uh, talking about it on the podcast two weeks ago. Um, yeah, the the restrictions on on travel uh, have become uh, more enforced, and um, certainly where we are now, uh, you if you 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 need to have. Well, you should have a good reason to go out and that be getting food for medical reasons or going to um, uh, go to the, get a prescription or, or, or whatever um, or work which is essential whatever that that means exactly um, so uh, going out and taking pictures that's pretty much not on on the cards and then also the way that some people have been behaving in the in the country is is it's putting a little bit of pressure upon the government to potentially do something to restrict people getting exercise uh, which is a real worry uh, because that will absolutely stop people going out and you could say well yeah that could be what exactly what what we need to do um but i think it's uh you can leave a house and do that in a safe way if you have some kind of common sense but unfortunately there's a lot of people who seem to be lacking common sense so it's uh it's a difficult situation um so i've been inside uh, for the last two weeks um and simon yes on the topic of common sense real quick um <laughs> I, I found it fascinating. Really, I was going to say, we don't really do common sense on this show very often, so it's <laughs> a new topic for us. Well, I, I don't know if this is going to add to it or subtract from it, um, but it it was very, very strange uh, for me reading the news about people in the UK destroying 5G mobile phone poles <laughs> um, uh... because they think it spreads coronavirus. And yeah. it, it occurred to me that if people are that gullible and willing to believe that kind of thing, then it would not be too difficult, right, to spread a rumor that, say, radioactive Takumars cured coronavirus. This is true. To then jack up the price of said Takumars. I almost want to run with that, um, <laughs> except, you know, the, you know, what if somebody actually does believe it? And then, and then they, oh they, and then they go back to an old episode and uh, where we we warn people that, or we tell people they're absolutely fine um, as long as you don't lick them, um, and they may start licking Takamas, um, which um, <laughs> that that worries me. That right. won't hurt them either. Even that won't hurt them. I've licked Takamas. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I'm serious. <laughs> and look out! Uh, look out! I'm fine. <laughs> 
Okay, that's a fair point. Plus, plus the plot has already been exposed. We should have done that off air. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so no, I, I've I've been filling my time by making lens caps again uh, since since uh, since last time because, it, because nobody's buying lenses and cameras off me at the moment for good reasons because they there's <laughs> apart from taking macro shots of things that you find around the house and in the garden. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's a bit of a tough one, um, and there are, there are lots of articles and the and the podcasts out there as well that are coming out with uh, wonderful things that you can do in your spare time at at, at home and stuff. Um, and the longer this goes on for them, the the more likely I'm going to be forced to actually try and take photographs around the house, uh, which I'm resisting manfully at the moment. Uh, but at some point, I'm going to have to do it. Um, but so. In the meantime, I'm not taking photographs. I'm I'm building lens caps and uh, and and designing them, and I'm having a, a huge amount of fun doing it. Um, yeah, I just I just love, love making lens caps at the moment. That's awesome. That is cool. I, I did I did uh, receive your letter just recently uh, with the uh, bl- the lens caps that you sent me, and they are very nice. The exact ones are great. Excellent. And uh, I've had to. Actually, that's a point. Um, and we did actually touch upon this on the, on a show when I didn't really listen to it. Um, and that's uh, about exact, um, the exact amount isn't just an exact amount. Uh, there, are, there are variants of it. And uh, when we mentioned that uh, some top cons are different uh, from exacta lenses, they may actually um, work between one camera and another, but there are there are some, some differences. And I, I realised that the... Uh, my original EXA design um, was too shallow uh, to work on something like a, an RE Topcore 58 1.4, for instance, uh, because there's oh, a, yeah. a, a piece of metal that sticks out the back of it yep. uh, that surround, it sort of partially surrounds the rear element, and, um, and that rendered my, my cap uh, useless on it. Um, so, um, so I've had to re- redesign that one, and uh, I've got a new one that's uh, just about to come out. Uh, wait, wait, wait! Is this the one you sent me? Yeah, that one. That's uh, yeah. I, I've, have you tried it on the Topcore? So hold on, I have in my hand. I, I just happen to have in my hand a Topcore RE Auto uh, thirty-five millimeter f two point eight. Okay. Um, which has arrived. It arrived before the world shut down. Just. Um, and it's much larger than I thought it would be, but I also have your lens cap. So this is the test. I'm going to try it right now. No, it, it fits perfectly. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. It's, it's that thing about different, uh, different, different, uh, versions. But so I've, I mean, I've, I've got this top core lens, um, op- Optinar, uh, that's currently on sale on my eBay page. Um, and it fits that. And if it's that, that's no problem. Now, I'm pretty sure that that was designed for top core rather than for going on to exacta. Um, but some uh, lenses are different, and uh, I know that the the 58 uh, because Ben Ben Kuto um, of the Kuto Camera Company, um, he he's had a, a few uh, adapters off me, and um, and he can confirm that that particular one didn't uh, fit his 58 1.4. So, uh, but the thing is, I've also got a Canon. Uh, I've mentioned this before, a Canon OM uh, 50mm 1.9 for the mm-hmm. Mamiya, Mamiya uh, Prismat uh, camera, which is an, an Exa variant. And uh, my cap didn't fit on that either. And uh, and 
Ben sent a photograph of the of his fifty one point four, and I can see this extra extra protrusion, and uh, the Mamiya has a it's not the same, but it has a similar kind of uh, protrusion. So I I just redesigned uh, one around my uh, my my Canon uh, for 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 the Mamiya, and uh, it fitted that, and uh, it subsequently fitted um, a that top call that I've just been talking about. So uh, um, so there we go. So the the really nice thing about Simon's lens caps, I don't want to sound like a, an ad here, but <laughs> you know when when you first showed me pictures of them, um, I thought, okay, that's cool, but w what's with the random text on it? Because you put you put text on them to indicate what kind of lens cap it is. Yeah. Um, so I thought I thought that was just you being fancy, but now that I have some of your lens caps, it's actually really damn useful to know what mount it for because i have so many lenses and so many random caps lying around that it, it, it literally just this week when i was you know digging around through lens caps i thought man i wish all of them had these labels on them because you know on first glance i can't tell the difference between an m42 rear cap and like a contact Ishika, uh rear cap and so you then waste time like trying on the lenses yeah well there you go i'm a user yeah we we've I've, I've suffered these problems in the past and i thought well i can do something about that so it just seemed yeah. it, it, it it was just second nature to do that really there you go yeah, nice touch yeah yeah it's a nice touch um and that's pretty much it for me so uh let's let's head over to chicago and um and a and a rather quieter than normal johnny <laughs> yeah well um, yeah, things are uh, not super great in Chicago. <laughs> um, uh, oh shit, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it guess it's it's my fault. We haven't been on the podcast, or at least it was what last week or the week before. Um, that was one week ago. Was it okay? Yeah. All right. Because uh, I've 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 not been uh, feeling very well, um, and uh, still not feeling very well. Uh, as far as I know, I am not infected with the virus because I have been tested. Um, unless I've got it since then, which I don't know. So um, yeah, it's been a it's been a kind of a crappy couple of weeks here. Um, uh, uh oh, Jesus, I don't even know how much how how far to dive dive into that really uh other than to say that I uh was not and have not been feeling well um ended up in the ER uh did get tested for the virus and had a negative test which is good uh was told to continue to uh self isolate for another 7 days or so um, and, um, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting to see if anything improves here. Um, you know, talking to the doctor on the phone since you can't actually go in to, for, to see the doctor. Uh, so, um, hopefully, hopefully feeling better soon. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, just, just to talk about that a, li a little um yeah so la last week obviously we didn't we didn't put a show out and um and 
the three of us have been talking about uh, how, how how things were, and especially with 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 you, Johnny, and uh, and it was it was quite clear that you were very poorly. Um, yeah, and uh, we were um, particularly concerned that um, that you may have the virus, and if you didn't, you were still way too ill. Uh, not yeah, not exactly. Seen. Um, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, so and that that ultimately it was with that background was the reason why we, we actually decided not to do the show a couple of days before uh, the Monday when we normally uh, re record and uh, and in the uh, the chat we had before recording was we've had a very long chat before we've uh, started recording today, which is probably going to end up being with this this show will be probably a shorter show as a re as a result of that, um, but um, one of the things that you 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 mentioned. Uh, so we're talking about well, what we're going to talk about this week and and, and so on and uh, and and you mentioned that you know your experience of photography last week was deciding which cameras to take or camera to take to you take to the hospital with yeah basically um not knowing if i was going to be able to leave the hospital again or not for some period of time um so that was about the only photographic decision that i've had to make in the past couple of weeks so 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 what is the the ideal covid-19 camera uh for me it's the fuji x100s <laughs> uh. so uh because I, I i knew as long as i had a battery in it it was going to work um and i wouldn't have to worry too much about light levels and all that the other i did actually pack another uh camera and ended up not taking it um, which was the uh, Bessa R with the 35 millimeter 2.4 lens on it, which is about the smallest and lightest 35 millimeter film setup that I think I have. 35 um, 2.4? Yeah, the, the pancake lens is a 2.4, right? Oh, the 2.5, the color scope. Yeah, 2.0. Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So because it's just, it's, tiny and light so that was going to be my other uh if i was taking a film camera but i ended up just taking the x100s um thinking you know i, I know i'll be able to use that in wor worst case scenario if i'm stuck there for a while so um yeah that was about the only photo related thing that i've done uh, i haven't haven't been out of the house really um i, I would love to go out because it's it's you know it's actually sunny and nice and warm here, uh, but I I I I'm not feeling up to it. I'm not feeling up to going out at all. So yeah. Well, I mean, I I was so worried when when you were uh, obviously we were talking about it last week, and I'm I'm just glad that you're okay and that things have not yeah. gotten significantly worse. Um, and you know, with with that in mind, um on the camera thing, it's interesting because I, I don't know how many people out there can relate to that idea of, Hey, I'm going to go to the hospital to get a coronavirus test. What camera should I bring? Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, I, Simon, I don't know if you're like this, but I bring a camera everywhere. And, and uh, you know, my girlfriend and her family make fun of me for it all the time. Um, but I'm always like, what, what if, what if there's, what if Bigfoot shows up, right? What exactly. If Bigfoot and, Elvis in a UFO. It's that exactly. gonna the only time they're gonna show up is when you don't have a camera. Exactly. 
Right. Yeah, and a phone won't cut it. So I, right. I, I can relate to that part. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I did. I did pack a camera. Yeah, I've never. I've never been like that way and uh and i i get it when you say like a, 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 your phone won't cut it um i hate taking photographs on using my, my phone unless it's you know specific to take a picture of something to send to somebody and uh, and, and yeah. so on but there, you know i've got small cameras i've got a couple of small cameras one of them's even got film with it i've got a i've got a mu2 um that i've not not tried yet and uh, they get you know people rave about the things and uh but but no i i it's just, I feel like I'm just one of those people that, that I go out to take photographs and, or I don't. And I, and I, I don't really feel I miss that much by, by not doing that. But then again, I, th I guess that's the other thing about being a street photographer or a documentary photographer, which I'm not. Um, so therefore, I guess I, I just probably switch off and don't see these things. Yeah. And to be fair, you know, having a camera at all times, um, the the number of times that I actually whip whip it out to shoot, uh, when I'm not actually consciously out to shoot is is quite low. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. But I don't feel right le not leave. I don't feel right leaving the house without a camera, mm -hmm. because I mean I've probably left the house almost every day since I was 15 years old with a camera, <laughs> just out of habit, you know. And you know. On, on that topic of shooting, uh, you know, I, I, again, I'm so glad that you are you tested negative and that you're home and relatively safe. Um, but I, I wonder if there are any people out there who are actually photographing um, in in a significant way inside hospitals or yeah. You know, there, there have been a few uh, reports coming out and videos um, that where journalists have been invited in. But I would imagine that there's a deep, deep tension there um, in terms of like the social distancing guidelines versus that desire to document where unless you're a doctor or a patient, there really is sort of no in-between for people who could uh, right. you know, photograph or capture this sort of world-changing event. Yeah, and, and even the the one of the ERs that I went to because I got turned away from one of them. Um, they had a sign up that basically said no. Uh, well, I'm not trying, I'm trying to think what it said. It basically said no photography. Um, like meaning if you had, you know, your cell phone with you, they weren't going to want you walking around taking photos and videos, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, Which makes sense for patient privacy. Privacy. I mean, yeah, it totally, it totally makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, come on. There's that whole history of photographers taking self-portraits in the hospital. There's one of, I think there's that famous one of Helmut Newton after he had heart surgery. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, he's got all the wires and stuff hanging off him. Um, and he has a, you know, self-portrait self of himself. So, I, you know, I was thinking worst case scenario, I take pictures of my own. Yeah, sure, stuff. surely they would be okay with you with people taking selfies. Yeah, you would think, right? Right. It's. I mean, you, you can totally understand not photographing, you know, other patients or or people who are being treated. But yeah, right. Exactly. It's yeah. You know, it's it's weird though. The the with everything that's going on, that desire to document um, for me has weakened weakened in the last sort of week or so. 
Um, I think partly because I've been shooting people in masks for a while now. Um, but also just, it feels to me, it feels kind of irresponsible to want to go outside and do stuff. Yeah, uh, sure. Oh. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can relate to that for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, even, even if I was feeling up to it, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be out doing pictures of people necessarily. There's a lot of like urban landscape stuff that I would love to photograph right now because there's no people around. Right. Um, and I mean, if I was feeling up to it, I would be riding around on my bike today in the sun take doing exactly that. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just not, but it would not be, I, I don't think I would be setting out with any sort of thought that I would be documenting, um, the current situation uh like in other words looking for signs of things that are going to scream coronavirus lockdown 2020 mm-hmm. you know what i mean i i it would just be the stuff that i would normally shoot anyway which i don't know i it, it's kind of an interesting i i've i don't know i've i've seen a few people like posting about that right where it's like they're trying to take pictures representative of something like bigger. And I'm, and my thought is just do whatever you would want to normally do, because that's actually a better document in a way. Cause it's more personal. Cause if you do the other thing, it's like, you're looking for things that you think, you know, it's like f- the photo postcard of the coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> right. And I mean, honestly, that's not that interesting because it's not that personal. And I think, and, people, and it's very difficult to do because empty streets. You know, Simon, you were saying before we started recording that your street basically just looks like Christmas Day, right? Yeah. So if you took a coronavirus yeah. photo and a Christmas Day photo, it'd, it'd be the same thing. It's just a cityscape. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. I mean, I I did see one. The best, honestly, this is the best photo that I I've seen, at least about my current local situation. Is there was a photo that somebody took of a coyote crossing michigan avenue in downtown chicago (laughs) so the busiest the busiest part of the city on the busiest street in the city which is completely deserted and there's a lone coyote crossing the street (laughs) because the coyotes are out and they're hungry because there's no people around throwing food and shit everywhere so um so to me that was like you know that was amazing because it's like, oh, it's the coronavirus apocalypse photo of wild animals randomly roaming around the city. I mean, mm-hmm. to, to, to me, that was like perfect, you know. Um, but, but I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it did, but that was somebody who obviously had a camera with them of some sort and grabbed a shot. It's not like you could set, you could really set out to do that photo, right? That's um, why you always have a camera on you. That's a, I mean, I a camera on you. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, next time it'll be Bigfoot. <laughs> oh, that, the animal shots are crazy, though. You know, my girlfriend sent me um, a, fo- a bunch of photos today. I, I don't know where it was from, but it was a bunch of sheep playing in a children's playground. Um, and the sheep had just had free reign to wander around because there's no people around. That's awesome. So they were in a park and climbing all over the, the children's playground equipment and having a really good time. It was <laughs> surreal to see. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if it was sheep or goats, uh, but in in Wales, a uh, place called Landudno, um, that it's uh, on the, it's a, it's a coastal uh, town, uh, seaside resort really, 
and uh, I've not seen these pictures myself, but um, but there's a there's a great big hill uh, called the Great Orm at at and I, and I believe that, I'm not sure if it's either sheep or goats. I know there are definitely sheep up there, but I've got my head that it's goats for some reason. Um, had uh, had come down in, into the towns, and they're just going, you know, just nibbling at all the vegetation in in the streets and just just taking over. It's just just. <laughs> Yeah, surreal things is going on at the moment, and I, you also hear about. It was a few weeks ago. I've not heard much about it since, but uh, in I think it was Thailand or somewhere like that, which uh, where the oh yeah the, the 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 monkeys and things aren't aren't being fed by the tourists and things, and that, uh -huh. they're, they're brawling with each other over over scraps of food and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that I think I, I think um, I shared that video with you guys, and it's crazy, right? Because they're just like literally the entire street is infested with them it looks like some kind of something out of a horror movie you know yeah but also kind of funny yeah yeah so um yeah anyway i don't know if people are trying to photograph stuff i would i would say you know the more personal it is the actually the more the more relevant it is in a certain way rather than trying to find you know that images that somehow sum it up perfectly for the whole world it's like just photograph for yourself when, um, what's, what's relevant to you is going to mean more than something that you probably don't are not emotionally invested in the shot you just think it's a good shot you know there's there's definitely something poignant about you know a couple of years from now looking back at your photo library and then finding those few months where you just have photos of your house plants yeah right <laughs> Actually, no. uh, Mike, Mike Epstein um, in our Facebook group, he posted some fantastic macro shots. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been um, basically in the same situation, self isolating at home here in Hong Kong, uh, and yeah, he's got like macro shots of toothpicks and and his. I've seen so many pictures of his as, uh, pictures of his house plants at this point. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, t I tell you what, what's really surprised me though is because I've, I've always been of the view that uh, macro photography it just just do it digitally because it's just better um, and that, and I'm seeing some absolutely fantastic macro shots done on film in, you know, and I'd say Mike Epstein's shots are just absolutely beautiful for, and okay. and you know and they they have that extra little thing whether you like that or not about them being on film and uh, yeah. they just they just look fantastic. Mike yeah, Mike Novak's been doing that a lot as well. I mean, not not truly macro, but like a lot of wide open close up stuff. Oofta, yeah. you know, he's been doing he's been doing a lot of that, and it it looks. I mean, it looks great. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I know the layout of his garden. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, his snowman is uh, like I I think I've seen his snowman more than I've seen my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay safe, Mike. <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike. Mike's in the in the wild the wild west of Iowa of uh, let's just throw caution to the wind about this fake coronavirus thing. So I feel for you, Mike. Stay safe. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, shall we shall we move things on? Because um, we've been chatting about um, you know how how to make a show in these uh, these strange times. And uh, and it, it 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 is quite odd because we're a, we're absolutely a show that's about lenses and and it's about gear acquisition syndrome or lens buying addiction as as we as it used to be called back in the day, and um, and it, it's you know it sometimes feels a bit weird uh, talking about 
these these things that you should go out and buy uh, in these um, in these difficult times and um, one of the things that uh, we, we we want to do is to uh, respond uh, to to you our listeners and uh, so we get, we're about to do um, the emails that we have uh, but I'm, I guess I'm really I'm putting a call out for emails uh, because mm-hmm. you know we uh, we talk a lot um, and about the things that in, interest us um, and we get guests on and we need to get some uh, more guests on because it's a while since we've had one and uh, I'm sure there are people cheering yeah we're going to get some guests on again at last um, and people will be super free these days exactly exactly so we're going yeah, right. to make use of that um, but we want to hear from you guys as well um, in particular you know, so there are, there are things that you wish us to discuss um, if you do that in the form of questions or whatever um, we'll be very happy to do that and we we may um, play with the schedules as well because we do have a little bit more time than, than we have and we may do uh, more shows and shorter shows and, uh, and 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 so on I'm not that's not a promise it's not uh, but that 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 may happen uh, we you know we, we, we've been as flexible as we can um, because we know that there's some people that have got nothing to do but to listen to podcasts and then then there are other people like myself um, who haven't got any chance, any time to listen to podcasts at all because I only listen to podcasts in a car and I'm not driving anywhere, you know. So yeah, there are there are shows that are backed up that I don't know when I'm going to hear them, you know. So um, so yeah, so we we want to hear from you guys. So um, do send in your uh, your comments and your questions, and uh, we'll we'll do our best to answer them. Um, yeah. So on that note, should we go to the emails, Johnny? Uh, all right, I will do my best trying to read them because I get very out of breath uh, trying to read. But let me uh, pull them up real quick here. All right, I'm going to start with um, Jean Michel. I don't know if he's French, but it, you see that you see a name Jean Michel, and it just sounds like it should be French. John Michael. <laughs> John Michael. Uh, <laughs> he wrote us on the 24th of March and the subject is flat plane focus. Hi guys. Episode 109. Johnny was talking about the lens he used for, for photographing his negatives. He very quickly mentioned something about flat plane focus lens. Could you maybe go into a bit more detail on what that is and what to look for when getting one? Cheers. Hope you guys stay well. John Michael. Um, I think I was talking about a flat field um, flat field lens, which is, it's essentially an enlarger lens, sort of, but a little bit different. Basically, a, a flat field lens is um, corrected so that there's no uh, distortion in the film plane. So I always think about, it, just I guess to visualize it, right? I always think about focus, like depth of field as a bubble, um, mm-hmm. because you t- it tends to be... Uh, center center weighted if that makes sense right so i always think about i visualize if i'm photographing and using depth of field i visualize a bubble of focus around the subject um and the the bubble of focus with a flat field lens rather than a bubble it's going to look more like um what's it going to look like it's going to look more like a uh, uh a circle with uh sharp edges on it so it's a square yeah well a square that's a circle yeah 
<laughs> it's going to look like a square that's a circle. Um, yeah, it's like it would be like a box of focus. Let's say a box of focus versus a bubble of focus. Dude. Um, except that box is round. It's like a hat box. A, a square circle is conceptually impossible. Well, it's <laughs> not if you take a cookie cutter and cut a circle out of that square, then it totally makes sense. So that's it's a hat box of focus. So picture a hat box, which is um, round with straight sides on it, which is totally not appropriate to this analogy I'm making, but we'll go with it. Like a cowboy um, hat. <laughs> yeah, cowboy hat. Um, but I mean, okay, if if you if you it's basically if you think about a hat box, and yes, if you stretch the edges of that hat box way way out, eventually they're going to taper off, right? But essentially, you're talking about a, uh, a a disc of focus that is a square cut out of a square, and then you're, there you go. There's your flat field lens. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so suffice it to say that that there, basically you're talking about a lens with no distortion at the edges and typically flat field lenses are used for things like uh, macro reproduction of you know like stamps and coins and um, flat printed you know printed material where you're like a page on a book right like if you if you if you take a photo of a page on a book with a normal lens it's going to end up in the corners and on the edges. It's not going to be as sharp, right? Even if you stopped it down, let's say you stopped it down to its sharpest, you know, F8 kind of thing, F11. It's still at the, at the periphery. It's probably not going to be 100% super sharp as this middle would be, right? As you get into the corners. And a flat field lens is designed to be, you know, sharp all the way across the, the, the plane. So... That's that's what I use because they're basically that's what flat field lenses were are built to do, which is to you know photograph things and make sure that you have no fall off or anything in the edges, in the corners, etc. So that's that's why I use a a flat field lens and a larger lens would do pretty much the same thing, but if you think about it, an enlarger lens is designed to project an image to a film plane rather than kind of the other way around if that makes sense yeah. um so it's it's sort of like a repro lens like like a reprographic lens like if you worked like if anybody's ever used a copy a copy camera um to make like a slide duplicator well uh, no not like well a copy cop well copy cameras for anybody who's worked in printing um would, would basically be how you would get images um photos you know be able to print them prior to scanning, right? So they kind of did what a scanner would do and that you could take, you know, let's say you've got a, a, a photograph or something that you want to print, like offset print on paper. You would, before there were such things as scanners, you would use a camera. And this camera is literally the size of a room. Like it's it's got a, a big, it's like a, uh, a, a reverse four by five camera um, in that, where the film would go, you're kind of, you know, you're where the, where the lens would focus is a board and you could put things on that board, right? A flat board in front of the lens and you can stick whatever you want on there and photograph it so that you can then print that. Right. Um, but I mean, you were talking about a camera that's like 10 feet long, 
like the, the, the bed of the camera where it focuses is like 10 feet long so that you can, you know, make a really big piece of film so that you can then, you know, uh, cut that out and assemble it into a, uh, a page. So if you think about like a page, a, a newspaper page, right. That's the way they did that is that they would, you know, photograph that whatever artwork was on the page and they would set the type with actual, you know, typeset letters. Um, anyway, I'll probably have to put a link because everybody's like, Oh, what? And not following <laughs> this at all. So, um, also known as they, pro- process lenses as well, aren't they? Yeah. It's that. a process lens. Right. Yeah. And those are process cameras, uh, or re- repro cameras cause you're reproducing. Yeah some flat artwork. So that's the way it was done back in the day. And I've actually done that process. Um, so it, so to me, like I get it because conceptually it makes sense to use a, a repro flat field lens because that's exactly what they were designed to do. Right. Um, so they, for digitizing negatives, they, they just work really well because you get, you don't get any fall off. You don't get any, you know, softness. You don't, you don't get any of that. It's just, everything is, it's like a the, as close to perfect copy as you're going to be able to make. Um, so I'm just going to say that that's something that I, I think I touched upon it on the on the last podcast. But um, a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago, uh, we had a chap called Peter Defty on the Large Format Photography podcast, and it was and he's really interesting uh, guy he is. But he he takes portraits uh, with that kind of camera. Uh, okay. Yeah, you you have to you have to mount it onto a table. Um, and, yeah. Uh, and he was um, he talks about how he actually um, was trying to get it into a studio and find find a way to get the height right. And uh, and he, he eventually uh, he, he he met somebody who converted uh, a hospital bed uh, for it to go onto, so you could actually raise okay. and lower the actual uh, the height of it. Oh wow! And um, and he also takes the photographs in in darkness in the studio because there's no shutter on this thing and so mm-hmm. he'll um he would get the uh, the person to be in place it would lock the position uh, with braces um so that the uh, the person would not not move after the focus has been taken uh, then move to complete darkness open the lens up um and then use flash and then as soon and then the flash would then just disappear and then he'll put the uh, cover the uh, cover the lens up yeah, so the the, yeah. the whole photograph is taken in complete darkness, apart from when the flash comes out, and uh, the the photos that he uh, made. I, I, I did talk about this, but he used the he uses a Fuji medium format digital camera to to scan his negatives and print them in an incredible way. Um, but if you're if you're interested in hearing a bit more detail as to how to how that kind of camera is used for normal photography now um listen to uh the large format photography podcast i think it's episode 25 maybe but it's the one with peter defty um and uh yeah really fascinating listen to see how that how that works yeah so what is um what's the what would the drawback be for using a flat field lens for just everyday photography because in many ways a lens with like no distortion and a flat field of focus almost sounds like a perfect lens. I mean, I've used the same lens I use for digitizing. I've used it mounted on a Fuji camera, like a mirrorless, just doing normal photography. Um, And I mean, it, it works fine. Um, It's, it's just, is it, uh, is it a Tessar? I actually, 
That's a good question. Um, I because it sounds like a Tessar, doesn't it? Now you're oh, talking. <laughs> I, I'm looking at a lens diagram for a Vivitar 75 3.8 flat field lens. That's uh, the, like, basically the lens I have, but it's mine's a okay. 3.5. But it's the same. Uh, it's the same lens. Yeah. It looks like a. Te- yeah, Tessar. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I mean, well, it looks like it looks like a triplet actually. But, yeah. It, I mean, it, you, if you think about it, it's that's one of the things about Tessars because they have very few elements. There's less distortion, um, and they are ex- extremely sharp, right? Um, so it's it's probably some derivation of that. I would say yes, mm. because it's 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 a it's a simple lens um, without a lot of aberrations, essentially, um, unless you try to make it, you know, too fast as we know, but this isn't a fast lens. I mean, this is a 3.5. So it's basically a highly, I think it's just essentially a highly corrected. Yeah. Probably Tessar triplet that makes a lot of sense. And actually the photos that I took, um, with that lens, using it as a regular photo lens do have more of a triplet or Tessar look to them, I would say. Mm. Um, so yeah, probably probably is so. Um, uh, I wouldn't say they were boring. The shots I actually really like that I used for regular, you know, photography. But I I think this is where, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that uh, using a normal lens, you do actually, whether it's really noticeable, you do get a lot. You do get more fall off, and I think that fall off tends to be pleasing. Uh, for basically everything except for people doing hardcore landscape photography where they don't want any fall off or they don't want, you know what I mean? They're looking for sharp across the frame, you know, Ansel Adams F64, that sort of thing, right? Um, So, but, but for general photography, other than, you know, let's call it landscape photography where you're trying to get quote unquote perfection, um, we actually, you know, we use, we use those distortions in a pleasing way. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, I guess that's the way I would think about it is that even lenses that are very well corrected, um, I still have a significant amount of probably aberrations and distortions to them, but we tend to find that pleasing for the most part. Right. Mm-hmm. When we're doing general photography. Um, but I mean, this is, you know, flat field lenses, people, like I said, they basically use them for photographing like stamps and coins and, you know, small things at one to one where you, you don't, you don't want any distortion. You want basically as close as you can to a, a perfect reproduction. So, and I, and that's why I like the flat field lenses is, you know, you can literally focus on the grain, um, and get a, you know, very, very sharp image of what's on the film. So cool. you could use it in an enlarger, right? Uh, yeah, you, you could, yeah, you could use it in an enlarger. It's, I mean, that's the thing. Digitizing, you're basically doing a reverse enlarger. Yeah. That's the easiest way to think about it. Right. 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 I mean, it's just, instead of putting the photo sensitive material on the baseboard, you're doing the, the opposite. You're using the camera's, you know, digitizing ability as your recording medium, right? And you're projecting light up into the camera, but it's essentially the same. It's a, it's a reverse enlarger is what you're doing really. 
So, so to answer the second part of John Michael's question about, um, you know, what to look for when you are getting one, um, mm. probably the, the most is the most common one, just the Vivitar 75 3.5. There's a lot of There's flat tons, field lenses right? in that 75 millimeter range. Um, and they're probably ideal for doing negatives because they're meant for smaller format, right? I mean, uh-huh. you could, you could get a bigger lens, but it wouldn't do you a lot of, it wouldn't, it's not really giving you an, any advantage to use a longer focal length lens, um, if that makes sense. Because, I mean, you're photographing, you know, when you're photographing negatives or reproducing, you know, smaller things, uh, you, you, don't, you don't need that much focus anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. And they, they're pretty cheap as well. Um, I got mine for 15 bucks, literally. Yeah. So, so is there a focus mechanism in the lens or are you typically mounting this onto a bellows or a helicoid? Yeah, mine is on a bellows. So that makes sense. Yeah, right. So there's no there's no helicoid built into them. It's going to be, you know, just but, a lens a lens with no shutter, just an app a lens with an aperture essentially. Right. So it's similar right. to an enlarger lens, basically, or a processed lens or a repro yeah. lens. Yeah, they're yeah. all the same basic concept. Yeah, right. Or okay, a barrel so, lens. You know. So then I guess um, for John Michael, I would look for one with a like an M39 or an M42 thread at the rear. So that's right. easy to stick onto a bellows or a helicoid. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. Okay. All right. Well, should we do the next should one? Should we move on to the next one? Um, let's see here. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. From Mr. Hong Jun Lee. Um, subject, Malort hand sanitizer. Just something to tide folks over with until the COVID-19 outbreak ends. Hopefully an actual desirable use for Malort. And there is a link here, which I will put in the notes. It is Malort hand sanitizer, which I think is just Malort in a, with a different label. <laughs> this article is fantastic. I don't know if you guys have looked at it, but it's from the Chicago Tribune. Uh, <laughs> the headline is coronavirus pandemic produces the inevitable for Chicago. Yeah. Well, Lord, hands <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, yeah. I mean, I, to me actually more shocking is that they now have Mullard bourbon, uh, which I Ooh. think, uh, <laughs> which I think, you know, should be the new drink of choice, uh, for the negative positives <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Is so, it is it normal bourbon or is it Malort style bourbon? I I don't I don't it 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 has the name bourbon on it and it's a blend which means they probably just have bought the cheapest ass Kentucky whiskey that they can and they put the name bourbon on it. Um, so it's a it's a blend meaning that they probably do not produce it in house. Although they might, which is really a horrifying thought. Or they're pouring Malort into Jim Beam and just mixing it up and selling it. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know that it would taste at all like bourbon. Then, um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's some dark, some dark, dark magic, probably. Uh, but yeah, I would say probably stick with drinking the hand sanitizer. <laughs> Rather than any Malort product that is labeled for human consumption, uh, you know, 
back back when I used to drink, I bourbon was my drink of choice. I really, really like bourbon. Um, yeah. I, I would be willing to substitute our uh, Malort drinking challenge with Malort bourbon. Uh, just, just say. Yeah, that would be a total cop out. I think. I, I don't yeah, know. I agree. I agree. Uh, okay. How about how about how about this, Perry? How about a Malort? You do your Malort shot, and then you have a bourbon chaser, a Malort bourbon chaser. Oh, it has to be Malort bourbon. Uh, yeah, it has to be Malort bourbon. No, no, I'm, I'll I'll take it. I'll take the shot and sit there and let it course yeah. through my body. This this is probably a good time to remind our listeners that there's still an open competition, and this will run as long as it needs to um, to uh, take a shot of of Malort on do this on video, uh, record it, and um, I forget what do we get people to say something. Um, it's so long ago since we talked about this and uh, something about the podcast yeah say something about the the classic lenses podcast uh drink drink some malort um and then when we've got two people that have done that um we're going to judge the best and whoever's the best one is going to get a uh wet on wet bokeh raynox 135f 2.8 lens you just tell them that malort cures coronavirus when have millions of entries yeah yeah yeah. All right. Um, moving on ahead. Uh, we have a email from Rob Jameson. Hey, Robbie J. Uh, subject Shyoko question. And it says, dear Perry, Johnny and Simon, hope you are all doing well. The for this force isolation has been doing a lot of thinking about my lens collection. And I have a question for you that I have been pondering for some time. I really love the unique rendering, particularly the color rending of the Chioko Super Rokor five centimeter f2 non-c lens uh i think that it has a very lovely cinematic look particularly in color my question is what lens on the wider end say 35 millimeter or wider would pair well with the chioko uh the best answer i have so far after chatting with perry on offline is the canon 35 f2 ltm do you think this is the best match or pair with the chioko uh, for a two lens kit, or is there a better answer out there? Please note the lens doesn't have to be an LTM lens. My goal is that the final images pair well together side by side. I carry two cameras with me in my bag. So lens mount or camera body is less important to me than the final result. In other words, Simon, please don't go to sleep just yet. Oh, was, <laughs> Thanks very was, much. Kind regards. <laughs> Smiley face, Robbie J. All right, so this question is definitely my fault. Um, we've been discussing this for quite a while, and the reason why the Canon lens is there is it's just a placeholder because I can't think of a good answer to this. Um, first, a little bit about the Chioko. Uh, I've been shooting it mostly on Cinestill, and its color palette is has a couple of distinctive features. So it's a, it's a single-coated lens, and it is very, very muted in its color saturation. Um, it's low contrast, but not in a kind of washed out way. Um, and the blues and the reds in particular are quite muted and they're quite pastely. So it, it's a little hard to describe, but like when the photo has a lot of like blues and greens and reds in the image, those colors really, really stand out, even though they're not super saturated. They just have this really lovely, smooth um, pastely low saturation look that I really like and clearly Rob 
uh, Jameson also really likes. And I, I, I can't really think of another lens. The Canon came to mind because it's also single-coated, I think. But it has a different color palette to it. The Canon lenses have a little bit of a weird color cast to them that I'm not the hugest fan of. So, any ideas? I've been stuck on this one for a while. I mean, I, I, would the Canon with the 35 1.8 actually be a little closer than the F2? Because I feel like the F2 is like sort of more more modern look in a in a certain sense. That's um, possible. I don't think I've ever shot that one on color film. Um, okay. I've only shot it digitally uh, and on black and white film. I got a lot of time on my hands, so maybe I'll do some. Because I'm just um, thinking back digital. to the last time you, Perry, the last time you posted photos, I thought that you had done some digital night shots of like Hong Kong with the 35 1.8. I think that was with the 1.5. It was a 1.5. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, well, there. Yeah. That's, what, that's what you need, Robbie, the 1.5. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the 1.8 looks very similar to the 1.5, though. It's, it's a little better corrected. It's got a really nice character. So that, that might be a way to go. Um, I, I was trying to think of whether or not there are any, like, 28 millimeter or wider lenses that are single-coated that have, like, really sort of pleasing blues and reds on, on a color film. Mm. Pro- probably Portra and Sinistil are going to be the, the ones that he goes to the most. John, Johnny, on your um, your Petri color corrected, is that is that a 35mm lens on that? Um, It's actually, that's a good thought, Simon. Uh, hold on one second. Just grabbing it from the shelf. Um, it's a 40... Five. It's a four point oh, okay. five cm, um, but but that's a good thought because the I mean if it was wider obviously, but it definitely has that more muted pastel look to it. Yeah, but so uh, I can remember when you you went out and did some color shots and uh, which was you know totally against type and they were fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's that, that this is like my go to for color print film is definitely my go to. It's like basically the only the only camera slash lens I want to use for color print film because it has that look. And then on top of that, I throw an eighty one B filter on it, so it it even takes the colors a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say pastel, but it 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 warms them up even a little bit more. So to me, yeah, that would be a really good one, and um, that would be a good lens. I mean. You, there's no shortage of dead Petris. Um, so you, you could certainly take that lens and pluck it off the camera uh, and, you know, mount it up to use um, on a digital camera with no problem. Or you could, I guess, probably even use this on, well, it'd be hard to get it working on uh, a film camera in terms of focus especially yeah. like a rangefinder, but I, yeah, uh, yeah. Cause it wouldn't work on an SLR. So, um, the, but anyway, yeah, that, that lens that definitely would be, um, a, a real good lens, but it's going to be essentially the same focal length as the, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah he wants something wider, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. So, Cause I mean, in terms I mean, of the key is single coded here, I, I think that's, but so we were discussing stuff like the lights Elmar, um, 35, 3.5, which has a much earthier color palette to me. Um, but I think that would 
side by side, the images with the Chioko would not look out of place either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the other one that just came to mind super briefly for me? Oh, uh, no, I lost it. Never mind. I, I mean, know. there's got to be a whole host of single coated wide angle lenses for oh, like. The, that's really what, what we're looking for. Yeah. What about a Jupiter 12 in color? I mean, I haven't really shot it that much in color, but... but Soviet coating, like, Soviet colors are very Soviet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's going to be different. It's not going to match well. Yeah, it. yeah. Like, yeah. All, all of the shots that I posted with Cinestill that look kind of um, sort of low saturation, almost desaturated, are, are probably with the uh, the Chioko. It's got a really unique palette on that film. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the... the uh, were the really, really early Nikkor 28F2s single-coded? Um, I, I'm sure they must have been. Um, uh, there must be some, like, Schneider lenses or something out there that are single-coded single as well. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, okay, the other one that... The other obvious one that comes to mind for me would be the 2.8 Flectagon. Oh, is that single-coded? Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, it's uh, I shouldn't say that. Well, it's 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 got the no. They probably aren't. Well, they've got the Zeiss. They have the Zeiss red T coating, right? No, 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 no. The um, I mean, don't forget, it's the, that's that's an East German. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, T T is West German, isn't it? Well, most of them, at least, anyway. The, no, well, on, only from the standpoint that they couldn't use the T, yeah, because the pre, the pre, the that was kind of the whole problem with the the whole copyright thing is that they were they were using the red T, and then they couldn't use it, so that so they they dropped it or, but it, it's still the same coding. Do you know what I mean? But it's old. My point is that it's it's yeah. old, so it's going to have a different look to it. So I mean, I think that would be at least worth trying. Would be one of the old, not the two point four, but the two point eight, the older silver bodied, you know, aluminum bodied uh, flectagons. Mm. Um, would be yeah, I, Robbie. I've got that lens. If you want to borrow it, you could just borrow mine and try it and see what it looks like. And the obvious choice too is if you can find a Minolta Super A, um, there's the Chioko 35 3.5. Oh yeah, right, right. Which will probably be not only consistent with that 5CMF2 Chioko, uh, but I know Robbie has a Minolta Autocord as well. Although I'm pretty sure that's a coated, multi-coated lens. Yeah, I'm just just thinking about that uh, Optinol lens. Uh, that I've got with the the exact uh, Topcom fit. Uh, oh yeah, it does. It does. It's got a red C on there. Um, but that's that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, there's there's when people started talking about coated lenses, were they actually talking about multi coated lenses? Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Those are they're coated, but well, they're not really multi coated. So so the, for the Chioko um, lenses, there are two versions: uh, the ones with the red C and the ones without the red C. The ones without the red C are single coated, and the ones with the red C are multi coated. Oh wait, dude, what what about the, I, okay? What about the Voigtlander single coated thirty five one point four Nocton? Oh, it, but it's it, it has such a modern look to it, though. It does, I, I, and I hate that lens. Don't buy that lens. 
Well, there we go. That's uh, <laughs> now we've uh, con- conclusively answered uh, answered that question somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. listeners, I, 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 but I just I just think we should caveat this that I don't know that any of these those coated lenses, including the red T lenses, I don't know that you could say they're multi coated because the multi coated lenses didn't really happen until around 1970. So, I think anything that is marked coated prior to that is coated. And it's yeah. got a proprietary coating, but I don't know that you could say it's multi-coated. Yeah. So, so I, I just sent you guys a picture with the kind of color palette he's looking for. Oh, cool. Um, so if if you or any listeners can think of any lenses, wide angle, uh, that render with kind of muted colors, um, then chuck us some ideas. Because, yeah, you know, we, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, and I, I really can't think of anything that really looks like that color wise. Yeah. yeah. See, this is why I think the flectagon would be a, a good choice. Cause I think it, I think it's going to render more in this palette. Although, you know, it being a Zeiss lens, I think they tend toward more towards the, um, blue and green end of the scale. Um, you know what I mean? They, well, so maybe it really, maybe it really would be closer then because I, 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 I tend to feel like the, with those ice lenses that uh, reds and yellows are less prominent. So, right. So maybe, yeah, it would, yeah, maybe it would be worth a try. There's definitely kind of bluey tint. Yeah. Just, just yeah. Look at, looking at that shot and the, and it, and those colors are reminiscent to what I was suggesting with, uh, uh Johnny's, uh, Petri shots. Uh, yeah. But I can see that, but there's also a, another common denominator in there. Uh, although I don't think the actual film was the same, but we're talking film and we're not talking digital. And I'm just wondering if you're going to see those that if you're going to see those colors translated into digital as in the way that you're doing with film. Oh. Plus, City Still is a, a, a film that you put to one side as well in terms of its look. It's got a very special look about it, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, Rob is going to shoot film, right? Right. So, so for him, I think I think yeah. the digital question. Yeah, if it's digital, who cares, right? You can make them yeah. all look the same. Robbie, you need to borrow my Flectagon. That's I'm just 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 try it. Try, I'd say, take it and try it, and then you can see if it see if it works. But I I, I think it's a good, I think it's a good candidate. Yeah, yeah. You really just got to play around and and see, right? Because yeah. sure, you know, especially oh, the, color. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I that and like, so it would be interesting to compare that and like the mirror, the thirty seven. Um. Ah. Oh. Which <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I know. Carl's favorite I, lens. Yeah, we've, yeah, got to, we've it, always got to add that in there. Exactly, exactly. But I, but yeah, it's going to have a more Soviet palette to it. But I, I, I don't know. That to me, that lens is in a little bit of a different category, um, rendering wise. And I, I, I wonder if I have that lens too, Robbie. You can borrow both of them, <laughs> try them both, and and see what you think. So. Yeah, I, it's just Soviet lenses. I find that whenever you have like green or metallic colors in them, they just look yeah, they look really really Soviet. You know, I agree. I see. I agree with you. I do. I, I yeah. Agree. So, but so I, I if think his they're... goal is side by side images, I think you'll be able to notice, especially on it, film. The I Soviet would. Looking s- I would say so as well, but I think it's worth a, for sake of comparison, I think it would yeah. be worth. Yeah, doing. you got free time. Right. It would be a it would be a worthy experiment. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to Robbie Jay's um, comparison there. Uh, yeah. When he picks up the lenses and takes these shots out side by side, he does the same kind of lighting conditions between shots and and so on. <laughs> nice, good, good on you, Robbie. Yeah. Yeah, Robbie, right, Robbie. I, I can leave them on my front door stoop for you, and you can just swing by and pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll wave to you from upstairs, out the window. <laughs> oh. Excellent. All um, right. Okay. That's, well, let's. Um, let's. We're we're in danger of doing a almost a short show. It's it's not really a short show, but it's short by our our, our standards. But let's. Um, Let's do a little bit of housekeeping before we go. And uh, I want to say thank you to those people that contributed to us uh, via coffee um, over these last uh, few weeks. And so uh, where do we start? I think I think I mentioned Mike Epstein last time, maybe. But thank you very much, Mike. Um, Nigel Cliff. Uh, this is commented on the previous show uh, saying great show as ever guys especially given the two-week hiatus uh, well we've had another one <laughs> uh, but th thank you uh, Nigel uh, thank you Barry Carr for uh, contributing to us as well and then we have Mr Robbie J um, and uh, and it says here and you could, this has got to be referenced way back uh, to 2nd of March, he's talking about something that uh, Ricardo said, and uh, it goes, so in response to Ricardo Bayon's absurd coffee donation last week, rewarding you for digital camera talk and cheap lenses, um, I'd like to make an equal and opposite donation to encourage more conversations about film and top, top shelf rangefinder lenses. May balance be restored. <laughs> Thank you, Robbie. <laughs> Um, and then uh, somebody that goes by the name of 25 Vintage Lenses um, said, thanks, I bought, uh, thanks, I, uh, oh, sorry, things I bought from listening to this show, uh, Negative Lab Pro, 85mm f2.8 contacts, good choice, and, and with Negative Lab Pro as well, um, Canon 50mm 1.4 LTM, another good choice, nice. um, so yeah, all good stuff, thank you, uh, yeah, you have an excellent choice there. Um, and then uh, finally, Lawrence Dunn. Um, thank you very much, Lawrence. So uh, thank you very much uh, for those people that uh, have donated to us. Um, so are there any, is there anything else you want to get off our chest before we do any shout outs? Nope. Nope. Okay. Uh, then. So, uh, so Perry, um, and, and I just thought it must be getting very late. What time is it for you, Perry? Ah, it's fine. It's a uh, quarter past midnight. Oof. Yeah, still hey, time is all relative these days. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I have <laughs> no concept of one day over another. Weekends don't mean anything to me anymore. Yeah. Um, well, there's just small weekend and big weekend now. <laughs> what does that mean? Small weekend <laughs> and big weekend. Saturday and Sunday is small weekend. Monday to Friday uh, is big weekend. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, so, so, Perry, have you got any shout outs this week? Uh, yeah, I, I have a, a big shout out to our my friends over at Little Garden, um, who normally there's two of them at the shop. Uh, now one of them is working from home and the other one is manning the shop. Um, and I've been there twice in the last couple of weeks for these Pentax 6.7 conversions. Um, and last time when I went in, not only did uh, they help me adapt a few lenses, but when they took my temperature before they let me go into the shop, um, apparently I have a really nice body temperature of 35.5. Uh, how, how, how did they actually take that temperature? <laughs> <laughs> no, they have one of those forehead, uh, oh, okay. those, yeah, those things that like shine a beam on your forehead. So, right. 
I probably have the lowest body temperature of anyone who went in the shop that day. So that's nice. You can't help being cool, can you? That's right. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so uh, uh, Johnny, have you got any shout outs? Um, of your isolation? Uh, the only... <laughs> The only shout out I I have is uh, someone who will never never hear it, but um, I, I want to thank the uh, the ER attend attending I guess physician at uh, Northwest Memorial Hospital uh, who when I was turned away uh, for hospital care because they are not doing COVID nineteen testing and therefore not taking in any patients who are showing symptoms of that. <laughs> they literally were turning people away. Um, she wrote me a whole pad full of prescriptions to help with the uh, pain and stuff I was feeling. And it was a really kind act of humanity. Um, and it, it, it really meant a lot to me. Um, so yeah, that's all I have. I don't have any uh, photographic ones, obviously, because I'm not at central camera. Um, so that's all I got right now. Okay. I think I think it's worth uh, giving a huge shout out to all of the healthcare workers uh, yeah. out there, just all around the world. Because holy shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and and also to those those people that aren't directly linked uh, with healthcare, but they're doing jobs that have to be done. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Many of them don't want to be going to work, uh, but they have to go to work. Yeah. <clears throat> Indeed. Um, okay. Well, uh, I've got two shout outs. Uh, the first one is to Anil Mystery uh, because we have friends of the show, Anil Mystery, and he is a guest on this week's uh, Negative Positives um, Film Photography Podcast uh, in uh, from louisville kentucky that was really bad <laughs> you gave up yeah. on that one real <laughs> i thought oh the, the hole's getting deeper um yeah so um so yeah so um uh, i think that came out today possibly i'm not too sure um i have no idea when i'm going to get around to listening to it but i will do eventually um but uh uh Anil's always good um, so, uh, and he always comes, even though, you know, he appears on different things and he's been on our show at least three times is different every time. Fantastic guest. So, um, do have a listen to that. I'm sure it'll be good. Um, and, uh, my other, uh, shout out is to Ethan Moses, um, which is something similar on the, uh, what we've just been, the, the, the shout out that Johnny's just given really, <coughs> excuse me. And that's uh, Ethan has been um, extremely busy over these last couple of weeks, and uh, people that follow him may have a you know know what I'm about to be talking about. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, he has been involved with a group. I think there's a core group of six people uh, around the world um, that are they've been getting together and uh, designing uh, a, a cheap relatively easy to make um, using uh, accessible parts uh, ventilator and uh, and I was talking to <coughs> excuse me um, talking to him on uh, a couple of days ago on a hangout and I could I could see him and he looked absolutely bloody awful um, because he's getting virtually no sleep he's putting a huge amount of effort and it's not and he's and he's pains to say when I was uh, 
uh, talking to him, you know, he is not, you know, the the only person on this. There's a, there's a, a key group of people who are working equally hard um, to produce um, a ventilated design, which is completely open source. Um, so once it's been evaluated and it's uh, been looked at specifically at the moment in Brazil, um, I know that the Brazilian army are involved in their, their, their medical people and so on. Um, and that's, they've, they've now got it to the point where I think it now works and it's now been uh, evaluated and tested. And um, there's every reason to believe that it will work and it will uh, enable um, this is, you know, if all goes well, uh, it will enable uh, people from around the world, uh, medical uh, authorities to um, go onto the site, download the plans and make their own equipment. Um, because uh, ultimately there are a lot of countries out there that do not have the funds uh, to go out and buy thousands of ventilators as uh, many of the Western economies can. And, um, and they'll be able to draw upon uh, these plans and get the, get these ventilators built relative, well, compared to a, a, a commercial ventilator far, far more cheaply. And, and these things will be accessible. So, uh, so, Huge uh, thanks to uh, Ethan and the team that he's uh, working on there. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that is pretty much it. So, uh, Perry, um, how can people find you outside of this show? You can find me at home, but I will not <laughs> let you in. Uh, alternatively, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Flickr at Perry G or visit my never updated website, PerryG.com. And Johnny? Um, you're not going to find me anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you not, shouldn't. Not doing Instagram, not at Central Camera. Yeah, so you, you, have to, you have to drive by the neighborhood and wave. Yeah. So, yeah. But we want people to get in touch with us, don't we? And give us give us questions, and we 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 want to hear from you. So we want to want some user content uh, to 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 work with. So, what's the best way for people to get in touch with us on the show? Uh, emails, please, to classiclensespodcast at gmail dot com. If you are on Flickr, you can check out Best Vintage Lens on Instagram. Uh, Instagram. Uh, sorry, on Instagram. On Instagram, check out Best Vintage Lens um, on. YouTube, if you want to see the podcast captions, uh, look for Classic Lenses Podcast on YouTube. And, of course, the home of the podcast is ClassicLensesPodcast.com. Excellent. And I'm on Twitter as Simon4. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. Um, we hang out in the Facebook group, uh, Classic Lenses Podcast, and sometimes in photography with Classic Lenses. Uh, what else? What else? Um I think I should do a quick shameless plug for my lens caps because nobody's buying lenses at the moment. Um, so I have uh, an increasing range of lens caps that I'm 3D printing and selling on uh, my eBay store or on simonforsterphotographic.co.uk uh, and I have lens caps for Exacta, Miranda, Contacts, Kiev, Inner Bayonet. Um, I'm working on the Outer Bayonet versions at the moment and I think there's three versions of those. Uh, because I actually thought there was two, but then I, I picked up an Orion. Actually, what is it? An Orion. Is it 12? I can't quite remember. I've lost it now. I've got one knocking around here somewhere. Uh, a wide angle? Yeah, it's a 28 millimeter. Oops, is that it? No, that's not it either. 
Okay. Uh, okay. I have. Yeah. Listen to this is my desk. Yeah. You know, there there is no room for anything, uh, including the Orion something uh, camera. But um, but you've got three different uh, depths uh, of caps as as far as I can tell, because you've got your Jupiter Eleven, which has got that huge. Sorry, Jupiter Twelve with the uh, huge protuberance uh, that goes out the back of it that virtually touches the film plane. Ah, I found it now. It's right in front of me, like everything else. Um, and um, and that's got a really deep uh, lens cap that that requires, uh, which is going to be a bit of a pain uh, for posting because that's going to be, you know, it goes from, I don't know, from about 80 pence to post to £3.10 just because it's too deep. Um, the Orion uh, 15, that's what it says, and that has a shorter um cap but i think it's still deeper uh than the caps you would have for uh, say a, a jupiter 11 or a jupiter uh, 8 no jupiter 9 uh, so um so i'm going to be producing those uh i've just launched uh tamron adaptor caps which are ace um uh pentacon 6 hasselblad x pan which johnny's got uh, not johnny um Johnny wants to have uh, Hasselblad X-Pan caps for his Hasselblad X-Pan, but he hasn't got right. one yet. Um, and uh, Conacre AR and Roly QBM. So that's what's uh, happening at the moment. So, um, yeah, so those, those are those. So that's my shameless plug. Um, anything else? Uh, you can hear me on the large format photography podcast about once every fortnight with Andrew Bartram. And I think that's it. Um, and I must say, actually, when I say I think that's it, because if anybody's asked me to say something over this past two weeks and they've not sent an email to me i will forget and have forgotten um so any messaging via instagram or twitter or anything like that um if you want something said on the podcast please send it on an email um because that's the only way we remember because our, our um way of uh, preparing for the show usually happens about five minutes before we actually start recording it and we just do this mad dive for the emails and therefore we know what people want to be asked so uh, please send emails if you uh, want us to talk about anything um that's it so uh, our music is by kevin mcleod of incompetech.com and it's called octo blues um and i hope you've enjoyed uh, this week's show um stay safe and be like carl